welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. My name is Trisha Carr. I am your host. This podcast is all about magic, metaphysics, mysticism, the unconditional love of the universe, and consciousness expansion. If it's your first time, welcome. And let me point you to other content in case you are interested in video and photography. I'm also on Instagram. I've been posting reels and I am also on YouTube. And if you are not new, if you've been around for a while, well, I thank you so much. And I want to let you know a few things about, well, what's going on with my life and how this podcast is evolving. And so I don't want to bore anyone who is not interested in that with that information. I want to get right to the subject today. So if you are interested in anything of that nature, what's going on with me and what's going on with this podcast and and other things, then stick around to the end. Without further delay, though, let's talk about the subject at hand today. Karma. Karma. So I've actually, I don't know what this title, what the, the title of this episode will be yet. Well, of course, by the time you listen to it, I will probably have settled on something, although you're able to change that title after it gets in, after you publish it. So, well, we'll see. I'm just going to, I'm going to start with some of those titles that are floating around in my energy right now. And that is karma therapy, therapeutic karma three kinds of karma. And the the reason why these are all floating around is because they're all going to be covered in this podcast today. Well, let's start off with answering the question, what is karma? Most people think, I'd say in common society, I guess you might say, people think of karma as retribution, as the cause and effect, you know, if instant karma is going to get you, as the Beatles song goes. And I, I admire all of the Beatles, Beatles catalog. So, um, you know, but I think that actually did kind of put a big message out into pop culture, just that that song um, in and of itself. And so people think of it as destiny or fate, even. And I'm going to explore it a little bit. Now, here's the thing is that I'm first going to acknowledge that Hinduism and Buddhism have this concept in their religious structure. So I want to acknowledge this. And at the risk of appropriating, there isn't another word that we use for this concept. So I want to acknowledge it. In in, in Hinduism and Buddhism, it is the sum of a person's actions in this and previous states of existences, so meaning past lives. And this is viewed as deciding their fate in future lives, future existences. So again, this is inferred as destiny or fate, or to some it even seems like predestination. The inference, in, as I was just saying, in common society is that it's it's sort of a, a directive, a punishment, a punishing kind of outcome because of choices and acts and behaviors, whether in this current life or another. So let's acknowledge that. 
And actually, the way that it is used in metaphysics in a more general sense or in mysticism in a more general and outside of a religion or something that's dogmatic is actually pretty close to the Hindu and Buddhist um, expression of it in the in the non-inferential <laughs> and less inferred as it being something that is fate or something that is predestination. So in metaphysics and in the metaphysical philosophy, philosophy and in more of the mystical arts concept, it is, it is the sum of a person's actions, but it has to do with learning. It has to do with expansion. If we put it in unity consciousness, and if we put it in the perspective of universal laws, including the universal law of free will, then what we what we come out with is that we are on a journey, journeying to learn. And the learning is our actual contribution to the expansion of the universe. Therefore, if we haven't learned sufficiently, then we will repeat a lesson or a portion of a lesson because we aren't serving ourselves and we're not serving the universe if we fail to complete a lesson. If we don't expand and grow, then we aren't living. Rather than thinking of it as fate, because if it were fate, fate really means that it can't be changed. Rather, now, that, that could be, in a very, very general sense, accurate, because if there is a lesson that we are going, we have, have a directive upon our own lives, our own, and when I say life, I mean the soul journey, and that could be contained in one particular life, one incarnation, or expanding over many. If we have a directive from our soul, from our higher self, that we will only move forward if we have completed a certain lesson, a certain you know level of expansion in an area, well, then yeah, that's a in that interim there is a fated existence. Because we're not going to move forward until we learn. You know, we're just not going to. But what I want to separate it from is the typical 3D master and servant perspective. And the 3D perspective of master and service is also the child's mind. Because the child has the authority of parent saying, I'm not allowed to. And the 3D, or that really ego mind concept of a prime creator or God, is that it is a commanding authoritative figure that allows or disallows and does not grant access to knowledge. In fact, in the Judeo-Christian story of mankind or humankind is that Adam and Eve were punished when they ate of the tree of knowledge, that God wanted to withhold knowledge so much so that they were punished. And the punishment was death because thou shalt not surely die was in question. And so with this idea of there being a withholding God, 
a parent who withholds their love and withholds knowledge. With that, we actually never truly grow up. And I have to say, you know, I'm not a parent of human beings. I'm, I have, you know, animals and I have mentees and I express motherhood and, and parenting in different ways. But I have to say that I wouldn't be, if I were to be an all-loving parent, even from my limited perspective, I wouldn't withhold knowledge or love from my children. It's just, you know, there's the, th- the, the distinction between a child can't understand something yet because they don't have the mental construct and simply you, you aren't allowed to know it. Those are very different. There's not really any nuance between that. You're disallowed to know, even though you could know. And, well, I'm going to do my best to explain it to you, but that your mental body doesn't quite understand it yet. Those are very, those are vastly different. And so what we want to remove karma from, the reason I'm on this <laughs> seeming tangent, is we want to remove karma from the black and white authority and servant perspective. Because if we do that, then karma is a beautiful, beautiful concept. Karma is something that you can embrace. True, karma is cause and effect. If I fail eighth grade, then I can't really move on to ninth grade. Why? Because if I fail algebra and I plan to build bridges for a living, then I'm going to hurt a lot of people potentially, you know? So that's why we have to pass algebra if the goal, if the lesson is to become an architect. And so that is the here and now example of why we have a cause and effect or a karmic expansion or a karmic looping. It's a looping if we haven't passed algebra yet, if we haven't applied ourselves, if we gave up, if we resisted. Well, we're not going to pass through to that goal of being an architect until we complete algebra sufficiently. That's what, our, that's what karma is. That's the cause and effect. Now, here's the thing. The universal law of cause and effect is a mutable law. So let me digress a little bit here and talk about universal laws. The law of karma, I mean, that's actually a thing, but it really is very tangential. It is very symbiotic with the universal law of cause and effect. Mutable and immutable. So we have mutable laws, mutable in universal laws, and we have immutable universal laws. Mutable really means changeable or transcendable. So you can transcend it. It doesn't, it isn't a law that you are, that you are always beholden to. In the physical laws, gravity, in the physical laws, not the universal, in the physical laws, gravity is an immutable law. You cannot transcend gravity in the physical laws. Now you, in the universal laws, you can, because we could, you know, we could levitate. (laughs) We did do that in our golden era times. And we've also figured out how to do it. We've also figured out how to uh, defy gravity with technology. And, you know, at this point of our existence, but in the physical laws, gravity is immutable. It is not transcendable. We cannot change it. It is a fixed law. The universal laws, 
are the same as above, so below. A lot of as above, so below that's going on in this <laughs> teaching today. One of the immutable laws, unchangeable, untranscendable universal laws is the law of one. We do not transcend the law of one. The law of one is. We are one with source. We are one with another. A transcendable, mutable law is law of cause and effect. And like the law of gender, polarity, the law of polarity, we can occupy equally the divine genders or the divine polarities. I can equally occupy divine masculine and divine feminine, and I can in that I would be transcending the polarities. I would be outside of it. I would be the seer. I would be the God perspective. So the transcending means to advance or ascend beyond the need of that learning tool. And this is what karma is. Karma is the law of karma or the law of cause and effect is actually a mutable and transcendable law. What's interesting about the transcendable or the mutable laws is that we have dalliances or we could have dalliances all throughout an incarnation of actually transcending them, of changing, being able to break free of them. And then we could have incarnations where we absolutely transcend those mutable laws. And I think that's what the avatars or the ascended masters achieved consistently, whether perfectly, I don't know, and I don't know if that matters or if it is to be known. But I think that's the idea, is that the ascended masters or the avatars, such as Jesus, Buddha, St. Germain, which is one of my real tight guys, <laughs> that they... They transcended many, if not all, consistently, if not absolutely, these immutable laws, including karma. So what I want to talk about with karma is how you can work with it joyfully. <laughs> Seems a little difficult because I'm saying, let's go to school with absolute joy. But we can. We can appreciate karma. For, what, the, for the reason that we've chosen it, for the reason that we have chosen this path of incarnating and experiencing it. And by the way, in existence of any kind, any of the dimensions or densities in the spirit realm, we are still working with learning, with expanding, because learning, expanding, evolution is creation. And so we would cease to exist if we didn't work with this karma concept. So I'm going to talk about it in three different kinds of karma. I'm going to break down how we can work with it, how we would actually be creating more karma, how we could transcend it. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about what happens when we move either forward or backward in karma either transcending it or creating more of it and in relation to the dimensions and the density. So I'm going to get a little, I'll get a little bit wacky and weird for you guys who like to get kind of into the hardcore metaphysical philosophy. 
So let me talk about the three different kinds of karma. Now, by the way, I'm talking about this. This is something that I have channeled (laughs) just for a lesson, just for us to be able to experience it, to be able to focus upon this law of karma. This is not absolute. I'm sure we could probably, like all other things, we could probably break it up into 12 kinds of karma or 144 kinds of karma. This is a very simple overview And you'll find that there is a lot of overlap and symbiosis because, after all, the immutable law of one is always in play. The first kind of karma that, well, let me just, I'll I'll give you the overview of the three in case anybody here wants to take notes because I know some of you do. There are three kinds. The ones we're going to look at are the self or the individual karma, the second kind, the communal karma, and the third kind, global karma. So let's start with that self or individual karma. This has to do with the lessons that we are learning individually, those divine directives from the higher self or from the soul. So what's interesting, as I said, it's symbiotic and they're all overlapping, is that, you you know, If you drop something in the ocean, even though it's a small drop, it's going to become one with the whole ocean. And so that is true of your individual karma is that you're not an island. You will, of course, be impacting communal and global karma with your personal individual karma. But we're just, again, how we move from within to the without So this has to do with those lessons as we are really thinking about it because the reason how we come to these lessons is that we actually are thinking about how we can contribute to the universe, what it feels like to be this energy and how we can allow this energy to be the greatest contribution or impact in the whole energy, in the one energy. Karma is or the lessons, let's, let's say the divine directives, those lessons that we want to learn about, it is done in the life and it is also done pre-life. A lot of this work where we're really knowing that we're having such a grand impact in the whole universe, well, that perspective is more easily grasped outside of an incarnation. So that means between lives or pre-birth. And we do work not just with ourselves, but we work with other entities, guides, soul group partners, soul, soul, uh, what you call it, soulmates, and, you know, all of that kind. And the soulmate, you know, could be a partner of any kind. But I digress. We have teachers, we have guides, and they are a bit more advanced than us, just like in any situation of learning, you have a guide, you have a benevolent being who is helping you to move forward, who's already been down the path that you are trudging yourself. So it's really, it's easier to have the whole universe perspective when we're outside of the confinement of an incarnation or of being attached to a physical body, which itself has a life process of living and dying. So those core lessons that we decide upon come from the individual essence compared 
to the universal essence. And so these are the core. And all other kinds of karma enhance that individual karma. Because, once again, it's the core essence compared to the universal essence. And they, they, they move back and forth. This energy, this essence of learning, it moves back and forth. And what is so important here in all of this is, once again, to acknowledge the immutable, the untranscendable, the unchangeable law of free will. And this universe, at least... We have absolute free will. And what's so crazy about free will as an incarnated being is that our free will and our capacity to manage it or master it, we put some of that understanding behind the veil of forgetfulness, the veil of amnesia. Because we come in, this is how, so this is how free will, absolute free will works. We come into this life with, here's the deal. Let me, let me digress a little bit because I've had someone ask me recently, like, you know, about free will. Well, I was born this way or in this situation. And I'm like, me too. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the, the, we, in order for us to have the spiritual or metaphysical perspective, we acknowledge that we have a pre-birth or an eternal perspective. And so the free will begins even before the incarnation. Before the incarnation, we make the choice to dispatch the soul essence into a situation, a time-space, a DNA-construct, a genome that is going to have the potential that is a certain amount of this way or that way, and we have made, so that's where the free will begins. So that's in order for us to feel free and empowered, we want to accept that. Now, that does not negate compassion or serving one another on the 3D level who are less privileged. But it does help the individual to feel an empowerment to learn and to grow from whatever their circumstances are. It feels better to know that you are not a victim than to believe that you are a victim. Even though in a 3D matrix, there are, there are actually victims and aggressors or just even victims of circumstances or of um, you know, individuals. So at any rate, We have to allow our awakened perspective that stretches beyond this time-space construct into the philosophy of the metaphysical, above and beyond the physical, in order to fully entertain and apply our absolute free will. It's pretty wonderful. And I, I, I talk a little bit about my background just so that you guys, while I am complete, I am so privileged and we all have our different privilege and disadvantage, of course. And I acknowledge my privilege, but I also want to acknowledge that I come from poverty and abuse. And I come from some darkness as well. And that was the choice that I made pre-birth. And I actually understand it and I appreciate it at this point because I understand karma <laughs> to some degree. I'm still, <laughs> like everyone else, I'm still grappling with it too because the path is a spiral. But I, I feel... 
I my vibration about this is so much higher than it ever was before I was deeply in the amnesia of the incarnation, having passed through the veil of amnesia and forgotten that I have free will and I've just tucked it away behind these few areas so that I didn't remember it and I, I identified as a victim. And again, while that's true in a 3D perspective, to be able to trust and have faith and feel the empowerment that I can transcend victimhood, even before I had transcended it in some ways, that was the key to actually transcending it. All right, so back to the individual karma, because it is important for us to, in order to fully embrace karma as a therapeutic tool, we have to embrace the universal law of free will. So here we are pre-birth and we are saying, I have this learning from my history, or even I'm a new soul and I feel this, I have this essence. How can I be? How can I live? How can I contribute to creation? Well, the best way to do that is to grow and learn. And so that means that we put ourselves in situations that are paradoxical to that essence. You're not learning anything. If you already have it memorized and, you know, you can already do it, you're not challenging. So they are challenges. Challenges just like weightlifting or holding a yoga posture. They challenge the fibers of the muscles and then make them stronger. And that's what karma is. So our individual karma has so much to do with us comparing, feeling our own soul essence and comparing it to the outside world, the universe, and saying, what is the best opportunity here? How can I contribute? How can I be challenged? How can I grow? Because in my growth, the universe grows because of the law of one. That's our individual karma or our self-karma, whatever you prefer to call it. So how we would create more individual karma. Creating more karma basically means you got to repeat a grade, got to repeat a lesson. It's like maybe you were one of these people, I know I was, keep, de- keep dating an asshole. It's like this asshole's just got a different hair color. I don't know how I keep dating the same asshole. What happened? What's going on here? And then finally, you say, no more. I, I don't deserve that. I love myself. I value myself. And you probably even say, I'm done. I'm done with dating. Next thing you know, Mr. or Ms. Wonderful shows up because (laughs) you completed that lesson, which was about self-love. It wasn't about loving someone else. It was about loving yourself. It was about accepting yourself. So when we don't complete a lesson, we create more karma. Okay. So how we create more karma, that's the individual or the self-karma. Resistance stubbornness, self-pity. Self-pity is very different than self-love or self-acceptance or self-discipline or self-belief. Self-pity is actually diminishing. Pity is is a diminishing outlook upon someone. It's indulging in and not really engaging. Staying a victim. Now, it's true that We are victims in our lives. And it's true that some have that as a a major part of the, the incarnation. 
even if you are truly a victim, staying a victim in your vibration is going to create more karma. Because the reason that there is karma around victimhood is to learn the lesson of transcending the victimhood. And, you know, there's, there are wonderful movies and books about people who transcended victimhood in, internally, if not entirely externally. But it didn't matter because the victory was within. And that's a soul achievement. And another way that we just generally would create more self-karma or individual karma is to be resistant of growth. Now, resisting growth can just be complacency, can be, as I've been talking about victimhood, can be resting in your privilege and not challenging yourself. That's one way that we could resist growth. And so some examples of, of this are Whatever the, it's basically being stuck in your, in your pain or your scripts and being not, or being complacent in it, as I said, it's kind of like just existing. Now there's, there's no judgment in the universe. It's just you asking yourself to contribute to the universe. So, I mean, there could be entire lives that were really about just kind of chilling, you know what I mean? Like you were born into something that was pretty nice and then you just continued to do something that was pretty nice and you didn't grow or challenge and you know that was fine now there's no way that there's that there's a life that is completely without challenge this is absolutely impossible just existing in this world is a challenge growing a body is a challenge but i mean you know relative relative to some other really difficult paths or really challenging paths rather that's a better way to say it well that's again, that's the choice. And I think if we expand our view to the whole soul's journey, then we can really drop judgment because while this moment is the only moment that really matters because it is the one where God is, where our God essence is, where being is, we also are, we also are existing in the simultaneity. And so that means that I have been an aggressor, a victim. I've been complacent. I've lived whole incarnations in these different ways just to explore, just to see what it's like. Self-share here, as we're talking about personal karma, the individual karma, is I have a recollection of a past life as a close associate with Genghis Khan. If you don't know your history on Genghis Khan, oh, it's awful. It's really, really awful. Genocide, murder, rape, pillage, such aggressive dominance. And what I recall, I actually, I, I recall being a close associate, and I, I won't go into detail because I see flashes in different ways, but I have a strong, I have memories that I didn't learn in history books, but are verified in history. So... That's something that while that was a different dispatch of my soul energy, it is it's something I draw upon. And boy, does it keep you humble if you own that, if you take some responsibility for that. But it's also quite a challenge that I can draw upon. And if you think about that, it makes sense if that a person who was 
whose essence was that marauding <laughs> would then be very sensitive and another one to learn and you know and also being born into abuse of almost not all kinds but you know of of a of a, a myriad kind of abuse that i was born into and experienced as a child and a youth well it makes sense that 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 all of those perspectives i'm getting a lot of growth and learning and so the way that okay so just to recap how we would create more karma is is more or less is is really resistance is willful stubbornness is a refusal to grow and then also staying in victimhood and self-pity and perhaps perhaps complacency even i mean complacency may just keep you in a karmic stasis rather than creating more karma depending on how complacent you are you know um, turning a blind eye to suffering would be a kind of complacency that would create more karma. Uh, but uh, just complacency in, in, in a kind of blissful, ignorant way would just kind of keep you in, you know, not moving forward and not moving backward either. All right, individual karma. Uh, still, we're talking about how to transcend individual karma, how to grow and move on from those lessons of the individual soul directive. Surrender. Surrendering to the lessons. Surrendering to the process. Because that actually puts you in on the same team as, as the universe. It helps you to, while you don't have a conscious memory, it helps you to, in a vibratory sense, come back into the remembrance because you will be remembered to the universe, even if you, even when you don't consciously or cognitively remember, your surrender puts you in an energetic alliance with the all. And things just start to flow. Things start to get better. In addition to surrender, we have responsibility, the ability to respond. And these two things seem to be juxtaposed, a paradox. And I'm going to talk about paradox after I go over all three of these because in great paradox is great creation. Surrender and responsibility, your ability to respond. You surrender and then you respond. It is the it is the coming on this, the team of the universe, the team of spirit, allowing your unity consciousness to be intact. And then you say, and yes, I have an essence. And as it is connected to the one energy now, I can take my part and respond or to act or to create. So it is this beautiful symbiosis of surrender and responsibility. This will help you to transcend that individual karma. I hope you can feel this right now as I'm speaking it because this isn't as much something for the conscious mind to understand. It is something for the vibration, for the energy to understand. It is an attunement as we speak and as we absorb this into the energy. Radical responsibility, radical surrender. How we transcend the individual karma in addition to surrender and responsibility is service. We must remember that service is different than 
codependence. We mean real service. Real service means that our cup is full and it overflows. Because if our cup isn't full, then we will be taking from the field before we are giving to it. Now, sometimes the full cup is just a matter of awareness as a matter of perspective. And I have a really good example of that. (laughs) If I may take a moment, one of the things that I'm going to tell you about at the end of this episode is how I have been going through a body ascension process. I'll explain that in detail in a moment. It's just a teaser there. Part of this body ascension process includes fasting. I fast every day for the last 45 days for a minimum of 20 hours every diurnal period, every 24 hours, 20 of them, or sometimes it's 22 or 23 or 24, I fast. Well, when you're doing that kind of regimen, and and then what I do eat is appropriate, balanced, um, when I do, I am, I'm not hungry. You find out what hunger really is. And you know what? The, the life that I live, I'm never hungry. Not really. But other days when I wasn't doing this protocol of body ascension, which included fasting, I would have a banana for breakfast and skip lunch. And by dinner time, I was, I was going to rip somebody's head off because I was so, quote unquote, hungry. That wasn't real hunger. That was a spike in blood sugar and a drop in blood sugar. And it feels really uncomfortable. And it signals hunger. But what it's really signaling is a balance of the sugar imbalance, which is answered by protein. But at any rate, that doesn't happen when I'm really able to give my body space to know what it truly needs. And it doesn't actually need that. So that's what I'm saying here. That's what to really know what service is, it's sometimes just a matter of perspective. To know if your cup is full, usually the gateway to know if your cup is full is to have gratitude, is to well, have gratitude, that's a weird way to say it, is to, and is to bring your awareness to gratitude. Gratitude gives way to appreciation. Appreciation means that you are adding now. You are expanding by your awareness of the fullness of the cup. So in fact... Service and serving from a full cup is all about awareness. It isn't about having or not having, because we are. Therefore, we are full. And so it does have us point our awareness to the ways that we first, it calibrates when we have the gratitude and we see where our cup is full. That directs us to how we can be of service. You know what is such a great example of this? If anybody who is listening is in a 12-step program, one of the most beautiful things, well, there's so, the whole program is beautiful. One of the most beautiful things about that program is to be of service. Is that when you are feeling as though you are lacking, you are recommended to go be of service in whatever way you can. You don't have any money, but you got your strong back, go be of service. You don't, you don't have any money, you don't have any, uh, you don't have the resources, then go be kind to, some, to someone. That's so beautiful, man. Really a beautiful program. So th- we're still talking about how to transcend the individual karma, and that is to be of service. But we had to break down what it means to be of service. And next, how to transcend that individual karma 
self-love, self-acceptance. I don't think I need to spend too much time on this. Self-love and self-acceptance is not the same as narcissism. Narcissism or arrogance is actually self-loathing, self-hatred, and an and unworthy feeling that is masking itself as a compensation. It's a coping mechanism to hide and to cover up the unfulfilled, the lack of self-love, the lack of self-acceptance. True self-acceptance and self-love is humble and great at once. There's paradox again. But it is where you actually, it's in the, 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 the vein of surrendering to be able to be one with the universe. I am as great and as small as the all. That is true self-love and acceptance. Self-love and acceptance path sometimes looks like self-compassion. Other times it may look like self-forgiveness. Other times it looks like self-discipline. And the word discipline Let's take that back from the idea of spanking people <laughs> or even incarcerating people. Discipline comes from the word disciple. It means one who is learning and studying and who is loyal to the process of learning and studying. That's what self-love and acceptance is. Also, how to transcend that individual karma is to continually be raising your vibration and that sometimes just looks like thinking upon these things that are lovely. That means to spend some time in your gratitude practice. That means to celebrate life and nature and spirit and then come to the cares of the world and the life. Continually be raising the vibration. And finally, already mentioned, is continue to move. Continue to let life move forward. The being state once again, as opposed to complacency, as opposed to being stuck and looping in the traumatic times. You know, trauma only happens in that moment. And yet our mind, our, our unconscious mind continues to replay it. So if we are withholding forgiveness to another who injured us yesterday, then we're out of sync let alone if we're withholding forgiveness from someone who injured us 10, 20, 30 years ago. And I am not innocent of this. I'm ever working on this. We all are. So don't think that I'm high and mighty. As I'm talking about these philosophical concepts, I am a student as well as a part of the you know, vessel who is allowing the teaching to come through. So continuing to move, continuing to allow life to flow through, to, and from us. All right. That is the individual karma. I'll move swiftly to the, uh, through, more swiftly through the other two kinds of karma, but this one was really important to lay the foundation. As a recap, the individual karma has so much to do with the lessons that you are learning, the divine, divine directives that have been set forth from the pre-birth and the eternal soul perspective or the higher self. They are the core uh, to all of the other kinds of karma and all of the other kinds of karma enhance or even compress the individual karma. How you would create more karma or loop in the individual karma, resistance, stubbornness, self-pity, staying in victim even if you truly are a victim in the 3D uh, life, and resisting growth. How you transcend the individual karma or the self-karma, 
surrender, responsibility, these go hand in hand, service, self-love, and self-acceptance, continually raising your vibration, and continually moving. Moving on to the next kind of karma, from the self and individual karma, we have communal karma. Communal karma is like your life situation, your family, your community, just the circle that's just a little bit larger. We're kind of going small, medium, and large. This will be your medium. These, this kind of communal karma creates that pressure, like a pressure cooker, that helps to enhance the lessons of the individual karma. It's It creates a ch- more of a challenge to the challenges <laughs> that you already have. An example of this, let's say, you know, you're really moving forward in your career and this is really important to you and you're, you know, doing all, you know, doing what you can, but then for no one's fault, you're, someone in your family really needs your help. Let's say someone becomes very ill and you are the only person who can support them. Well, that's going to put pressure on that karma or that that pursuit and challenge of creating this career and this contribution and even wealth because you have this family member who really needs you. So you can already imagine the best way to do that is to just have compassion, to just accept and love it anyway, and to be grateful that you can be there for that family member. So that's, that's an example of how the communal karma can put even a greater, it can add a little more weight to the challenge of your individual karma. And so this communal karma, it is, crea- it is creating the opportunity for even more expansion. And it helps us to be connected and to grow in our unity consciousness because If you, in the example of the family member who really, really needs us, in order for us to feel aligned with it, we have to relax into it. We have to say, I and and my family member are one. It's It's a unifying concept. And we don't think about, well, it's not my problem. You know, we think about it is my duty and it's my honor and it is the gift. I'm so grateful that I have this career that can serve us, you see. It really, it can, it helps that unity consciousness, which is the goal of all goals, is to be back in that unified awareness. So how to create, how we would be creating more communal karma, which means to be looping and, you know, (laughs) not learning our lessons, is the energy of fighting, the energy of holding on to anger, the energy of blaming, guilt, Now, blame and guilt are kind of the two sides of a similar coin there because blame means it's your fault, guilt means it's my fault, and I'm going to punish myself. So we're removing ourselves from the process of amends and atonement if we stay in guilt. Now, guilt is and blame. These are human emotions, but we want to move through them because they aren't in the forward moving, they aren't in the creation process. If we stay in them, if we loop in them, then we are creating karma. We are creating more of the same lesson. We're failing our tests over, failing our quizzes (laughs) over and over. Another way to create more communal karma is codependence. Codependence. 
That's my middle name. No, it's, it's something I work on. If you identify as an empath or a highly sensitive person, you probably have dealt with the tendency to codependence. Codependence is uh, rescuing people. And what I will tell you what codependence, there is real dependence, appropriate dependence, and there is codependence. Appropriate dependence are your children. And let's say that loved one who was ill, who becomes a dependent, that's appropriate. What's not appropriate, let, just to put codependence and dependence in perspective, it is appropriate for you to take care of the little dirty bottom of your infant child. That's dependence. It's appropriate. It is inappropriate for you to take care of the dirty bottom of your 16-year-old able-bodied child, your 16-year-old child who's just dirty. <laughs> nasty. <laughs> that's that's codependence. If you were trying to take care of, they, they stank. So that's the difference between dependence and codependence. If you ever read what a, a list of coda tendencies is that it's called, dependence, there is an appropriate dependency and there is a codependency which is inappropriate, which is taking care of someone else inappropriately, rescuing them, having poor boundaries. But if it's appropriate for someone to need you and you support them, and when we have children, the moment they pop out of the body, it's this, it's this like spectrum of them becoming autonomous and less dependent. Um, you know, not no, for the first six months, it's pretty much dependency because they can't do anything. They can't even move away from you yet. But anyway, I digress. Codependence. All right, more about how you would create more communal karma, narcissism, because that is the other side of the coin of codependence. Narcissism is uh, lording over someone, is, is uh, not paying attention to someone else's needs. And that comes from a space of, of lacking self-love and lacking self-acceptance and not having done the personal work, the individual karmic work, to be able to be fully present. So... Um, you see, again, how these are all interrelated. Uh, the next thing that would create more individual, excuse me, communal karma is resistance to change in others. Resistance to change of what's going on, let's say, for the younger generation, the older generation, the society, the community. You don't want things to change. It's like the last thing that we said in the individual karma was to continue to move. So if you are resisting the movement and the evolution and just the changing of people around you or the systems around you that have to do with life situation, family and community, that's going to create more communal karma. And finally, just not accepting others. And the way that we need self-love and acceptance to transcend individual karma, not accepting others, being unaccepting of others, will create more communal karma. How to transcend communal karma? Patience. Patience. Oh, my goodness. In that original example that we said, I'm really going forward with my career, and boom, boom, this is a really important individual karmic path. I have a family member who is very ill and I need to take care of them. Patience. Patience will soothe that tension. Acceptance. That's the next thing. Acceptance would soothe that tension and bring you present to it. Appropriate responsibility. Once again, not codependence. So let's just say responsibility. Another way to transcend communal karma is faith. 
You see, we have to have faith for our individual lives as well. But as it concerns, when we bring others into it because no one can truly know the heart of another human, we have to have faith in their true essence. Faith in our own true essence, faith in their true essence. That will help us to transcend communal karma. And that leads to holding a vision of growth for ourselves and for others. Holding a vision of growth unconditionally. Just believing in that growth potential. It, it's, it's like a walking prayer. It is a dynamic prayer for myself and for others. And finally, if all else fails, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be, let it be. Just be at peace. Have some of that patience. Have some of that faith. We started off with me kind of saying that the Beatles <laughs> song messed up our perspective <laughs> of karma. And here we are with me saying the Beatles taught us something really wonderful about karma. All right, so there we go with the communal karma. Once again, that has to do with life situation, family, community. And it is a pressure cooker to help us with our individual karma. And the way that we create more communal karma is when we are in fight, holding on to anger, blame, guilt, codependence, narcissism, resistance to others changing and being unaccepting of others. How we transcend communal karma, patience, acceptance, responsibility, the appropriate kind, faith, holding a vision for, for growth for yourself and for the others, and sometimes we just let it be. And let's move on to the global karma. Global karma. Global karma, this is the whole time-space context. Now, if you are a starseed type, you might think of it as a galactic and a universal. And that's true. That's absolutely a part of this. And if, you, if it's easier for you to just to focus on this earth and this globe, well, it's all the same. Six of one, half a dozen of another. Just like the communal karma, it is even more expanding to both the communal karma and to the individual karma. It is an even greater pressure cooker because what's going on outside of you is connected to what's going on inside of you. Being able to be a citizen of the earth, to contribute, it's a reflexive relationship experience. It reflexes back to your individual karma. We go full circle here. So let me just expand on this, so to speak, expand, pardon the pun, as I talk about how, to how one would be creating more global karma, the attitudes, the actions. Creating more global karma happens when we are in a separatist vibration or action of any kind, separatist. And that could look like xenophobia. I am American, and that person is a different uh, continental identity, and I am unaccepting of them. Of course, racism, ethnocentrism, or cultural centrism. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a love of and a celebration of your ethnicity or culture, but being so centric that you are um, you are uh, fearful or in rejection of others that would be creating more of a global karma. And 
I would say also being ignorant, being willfully ignorant. It's kind of like in the first one we talked about complacency. And if you were turning a blind eye to obvious suffering and in a way of being complacent, then that's what we're talking about here in the global sense. If we are being so culturally or or ethnically centric that it's right in our face about what's going on, and I'm sure this is ringing a lot of bells for us right now, and yet we didn't do anything. We didn't even pray about it. We just attempted to isolate ourselves from the thought or action of caring, then we would be creating more global karma. And that global karma is a, is something that is infused into your life as well as into the world. But because you're making the individual choice, choice it's going to add to your individual karma even more impactfully than it does the world. So I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't say even more impactfully, but in a sense, yeah, because you're using your free will for a personal choice to withhold service to the globe, to your your fellows. All right. So another way that um, global karma can be enhanced or created for yourself is resistance to that societal uh, societal evolution. It's very much like the communal or the, the familial karma. If we resisted the change and the evolution and the moving forward, uh, sins of omission and that means sort of like what we were talking about, but withdrawing your will from the moving forward and and the service of what is evolution for everyone. And that can be by abandoning others, abandoning your fellows, or just by willful and sustained ignorance. I don't think I need to go too much into these. So if you're wondering about that, maybe take notes or just ponder on it or let the vibration simmer for you. Basically, it's like communal karma, but it's expanded, it's extended out to the world. And, you know, it can, it really can go into a lot. Considering how we are connected with our communication now, we are all we all have the connection, you know, we all have the vulnerability to being in the state of abandonment or ignorance because it's available to us. You know, if we are of the, if we have the capacity to be able to read and listen and have the cognitive, have the cognition to be able to understand it, exempt from, obviously, from all of this, if, if our cognition is compromised, then that is, or I shouldn't say compromised, if it's atypical, then that keeps us from the responsibility of of being as educated. So anyway, just to acknowledge that we're talking again, when we speak of philosophical or spiritual concepts, we are talking in a very grand perspective. We are not speaking specifically about one individual's life. That subjectivity could not possibly be served because I don't know you personally and you don't know me personally. We are talking very objectively in order to be able to ponder these philosophical and spiritual concepts. That's why it's called metaphysical, not physical philosophy. Okay, anyway, so that's what what but what I want to highlight before I talk about how we transcend global karma is that the global karma is your karma. The communal karma is your karma. If we can allow that awareness of free will to include our communal karma and our global karma, 
then we are going to find ourselves having a wonderful opportunity for learning and growth. So what that looks like to say, the global karma is my karma, is to feel it very individually. That I am here and the president that is the president I chose. I am here and what is happening in the Middle East, I chose. I chose to be a part of it. It isn't just happening over there. If it were happening here in my family, would I do or feel different? Now, in the, with the time space, maybe, maybe you are called to go there and physically do something. And if that doesn't feel aligned, then what, if you, if, what could you do if you couldn't physically be there? Would you pray? Would you organize a consciousness project because you know that those work? Would you find an organization where you could actually send money, whatever you could? Would you donate something? Whatever you can do, whatever you can do. If you take ownership of it, this global karma is my karma. This is my choice. I am responsible for it too. Finding that inside yourself somehow. That feels so much better than being sad and angry and feeling powerless about the suffering of this world. If you can own it and fight and cry about it if you have to and be angry about it and then move into the what can I do? I have an urge. I have a soul urge. What is the doing? And sometimes that doing is prayer. And if you know that prayer works, then prayer works. And sometimes it's more. And being able to really and truly own it, surrender to the owning of it, then gives way to that ability to respond to it. And that leads me to transcending global karma, applying your unique design to the world. You are designed. You are. Now, those of you who are um, knowledgeable or aware of human design, that might be what is being you know, lit up in you, and that's great. Those of you who aren't, like, what's human design? Well, look it up. It's pretty amazing. Let's just say it's your blueprint. Let's say it's your, your pre-birth plan. But you are designed. And applying your unique design to this world, we're all the way back at that pre-birth moment, creating your individual karma, your individual lesson plan. Applying it, that takes self-acceptance. Now we're back in that place again. And it means to accept your community and your family and what you have chosen. Applying your unique design to the world. How else we transcend global karma? I already talked about prayer. Prayer is energy healing. And I'll just tell you, I said consciousness projects. That means you organize with other people who believe in prayer not just believe, I don't even like the word believe. No, align, vibrate to and send frequencies out that are creation in motion, prayer, dynamic prayer. Together, you create an egregore, which is a collective thought form. And you lift that up and you connect it to a, a, a metaphysical and, and a universal thought form egregore that is having the same prayer and things happen. And that's what you can do about things that are happening outside of your home and front yard, things that you can or cannot vote on, 
things that you can or cannot send money to, things that you can or cannot go and physically rescue someone, this is what we can do. I want to give this a spot. So I want to give that a little bit of a platform here. And I taught a whole class on it. So maybe I'll put up a sample of that at some point on this podcast. All right. What else we can do to help transcend our global karma is activism. We're already talking about it, but I want to highlight here is aligned activism because we have an idea sometimes that activism means fighting, means maintaining anger, but real activism just means being a walking prayer who is taking action. And that's how hearts are changed. And that's how from the changed heart is how the physical world is changed. Our personal consciousness practice, I dis- I outlined for you a consciousness project with others, but you can do that path on your own even today without even having to take the time to organize with others. Transcending global karma means compassion Sending a blanket of compassion to wherever and whomever. And you can send angels and you can send unicorns and dragons and the fae and devas. You can send all of them on the frequencies of the compassion that flow from you. Do you know that the entirety of the universe's compassion can flow through you? Compassion is one. And if we surrender to it, and if we allow it, it can do all that there is to do to to heal that situation. And and other ways that we transcend the global karma is simply education. Learn about things. Learn about things. Continually educate yourself. As we said that the the communal karma is to continue to allow movement. For the individual, it's the continue to allow being. Here, education is how we continue to move and to be. And then as we have that education, we educate others, lovingly meeting them where they are. And that will also help us to continue to educate ourselves. We educate ourselves and others. That's the movement that impacts our global karma. Now, I just want to mention that masters such as Christ, the way they did karma Let's just take Jesus. Let's take Yeshua. The way that he did karma was his personal, his individual karma was so mastered that it extended out to his community and then to out and then to throughout the world and throughout the simultaneity, throughout the metaphysical, throughout timelines. So This stands as an example of the overflow, the overlap, and the power of karma. The power of lessons learned. Even though there are limitations of flesh, doesn't matter. I am still ministered by the Christ consciousness that came through Jesus, that came through Buddha. It transcends them because they transcended, they allowed the transcendent to flow through what was a limited physical vessel. And they aren't the only ones, of course. Their karma-free zone 
which means learning, acceptance, surrender, responsibility. Learning, acceptance, surrender, responsibility. Karma-free zone expanded, expanded, and expanded. If you can imagine that expanding all throughout the self, all throughout the community, all throughout the globe, all throughout the universe, all throughout time, space, eternity. All right, folks, I said that I would talk to you about density and dimension, karma and ascension. Well, I think we kind of got there a little bit with the Christ example, because as we ascend, as we as we uh, move through and transcend with those karmic lessons, we are ascending into different dimensions and densities. When we digress, when we create more karma, we are descending. So if we are in separation consciousness, and if we are in competitiveness and predatory behavior, then we are descending into an unconscious, lower octave, second dimension. Now, the second dimension isn't all bad, but when a, an entity that is third and fourth density descends into a separated awareness that is in those lower octaves, then it becomes a negative frequency. I'm just going to leave that with you. Ponder it, let it bang around in the energy and see what that will show up for you. You may have a delayed response with it, or you may be going like, yep, got it, know it, done. <laughs> whatever, whatever works for you is fine. Now, see, the conundrum is that indulging any of these ways that we would be creating more karma, it's just, you know, it's creating more karma, indulging self-pity, even if we are truly a victim. Indulging it is different than nurturing it or doing what is appropriate to heal it. Um, we just create more karma that way. So it is a bit of a conundrum. But what is really cool about it is that we are pointed to our own strength in order to transcend. That's what's really beautiful about this whole gig of being an incarnate is that we are always pointed to ourself into our own strength in order to be able to transcend something. And that's really, I think it's amazing. So you are not here to create more karma. I just know that because you are, you found this podcast, you are a wanderer, you are a starseed, you are, you know, Gaia starseed, you are whatever it is, you are here to exist as freely as possible. And you do that by invoking presence. If we invoke presence, then we're going to be in that flowing, moving forward, and we will then be transcending karma or learn in, in our learning process, our evolution process on our path of light, as opposed to looping and creating more karma. So the, I already mentioned paradox. Karma is all about paradox. Paradox is seemingly contradictory energies in the same box, <laughs> if you will. But see, that's what creation is made of. We are all one, yet there is one energy with source energy. In order for source energy to even be something, it had to create others. So we are both autonomous as well as one. That's a paradox. With great paradox comes great opportunity. And that's what karma is all about. I'm too weak to lift this, but I have to lift this. Well, the lifting of it is what creates the strength to be able to lifting it, to lift it, even when you can't. That's a paradox. 
So the challenges that we have are the opportunities that we have created. The system that is available to us is the system that we signed up for. The magic that we are looking for is the magic that is here right now. We are just needing to expand our awareness to it. So let me give you an example of a practical way that paradox and karma are showing up. Is that any time that you are feeling separate in any way, blame, shame, guilt, anger, frustration, whatever it is, you're actually creating the exact opposite effect in the field. So let me give you an example. So an insecure person who feels like I'm not worthy or something, they're actually, they could be having the effect. So that's the cause. The effect would be arrogance and or narcissism, which we kind of talked about again. But let me, let me give you another one. A person who's highly sensitive and empathic who is identifying to someone else's pain so much so that they match the frequency will in effect be making it about themselves. I'll give you an example to illustrate this. This is an example from my own life. A friend of mine, we were, she was a, she was my best friend at the time. And this is not Crystalline Compton. <laughs> this is someone else in my past. And we got together to meet for lunch, and it had been a long time, and our relationship had seemed to be strained already. And when I showed up, I got hit by her energy. Now, I empathically pulled it in, unconsciously, but I empathically pulled it in and matched it. Then she proceeded to tell me that she had been experiencing some depression and that she had been lying to me about the reasons why we couldn't get together lately because she was feeling depressed. And I was so upset because I had matched her frequency that I wasn't really there for her. And that isn't compassion. That is actually in enhancing and amplifying the thing that is already hurting her. And so I made it about myself, even though I was feeling empathically the same thing, probably more because that's what an empath does or someone with open centers as far as human design is concerned. You're actually amplifying it. You're actually feeling it more and amplifying it more into the field than the, the source of what it is that you're picking up. It's not appropriate to be matching it and identifying to it. It's appropriate to be aware of it, hold the light, and then allow yourself to be a home, a healing source, and the empathic nature is a gift that can help you to completely know and then have complete compassion. So you see, I was, this is the, the karma paradox thing, is that me hurting myself in order to identify with her was actually hurting her. That's the paradox. When you are feeling separate, when you are feeling something that is not holistic, then you're actually creating the, that exact thing that you are injured from, you're, you're affecting it into the field. Someone who feels unworthy, someone who doesn't love themselves is actually creating dominance and narcissism in the field or vice versa. Someone who feels that they're more important than someone else is actually affecting into the field an, in, an, an insufficiency and that's how they come across. At any rate, it doesn't really matter what the details are. 
the reason I bring this up is that these are telltale signs of when we're creating karma. So anytime we're feeling blame, shame, guilt, anger, then turn it around. That's where the lesson is. That's what you're asking yourself to learn. That's what you've put out for yourself. Well, that's the end of what I have to say about karma. This is a longer episode, and that leads me to that leads me to what I said I was going to talk, share with you guys is what's going on with me, what's going on with this podcast, and and here goes. Well, first of all, what's going on with me? I, I'm not very good at doing that because I feel like it's boring because I'm not interested in it. I already know it. <laughs> but I know it's helpful to others. If you want to spend some time listening to this, then it's interesting or helpful because I know that because that's how it is for me when I listen to other people. So first of all, what's going on with me is that I am in a life path, excuse me, a personal year seven. My numerological personal year is seven. The seven year is about intuition, spirituality, um, introspection. It can be very introverted. And I tell you, as soon as the year ticked over, I had I was channeling in my ear like you wouldn't believe it. Like I was like, okay, I guess it's the year seven right now because it's going. So what that means is that I may, I may have, you know, I, I, my podcast has been a little bit slower in turning out, but that's because I'm just like downloading so much. I will continue to share and teach and uh, do all the things. And um, I'm writing a lot. And I'm also doing, you know, I'm also doing some of the stuff on Instagram too. And that's what's going on. Um, I, I have a sense that it's going to tick over into a lot more sharing pretty soon. And what that's also looking like so far as the sharing is concerned is this podcast is going to have unique content on it, separate from what I put on my YouTube channel and on Instagram. But they may be companions. So the last episode I did had companion episodes on YouTube with slightly different expressions of, of the topic. Uh, but I, I really, I'm going to be probably emphasizing this audio, this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Second of all, I did already share with you a little bit that I'm in a body ascension process which is interesting in my my um, seven year, because uh, what that means is, I mean, yeah, the, the shorthand way to say it, which is not always so helpful, is weight loss. Uh, my body had become dense, and that was a direct correlation to being too astral and ungrounded. And I just hit the space where I understood that my, that I needed the as above, so below connection to be more fluid. And so as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fasting, which is so appropriate for me. It healed reproductive and digestive issues that were chronic and that medicine had not been able to help or solve. I went off several medications. And so if you want to learn more about fasting, it's intermittent fasting, but I, I'm doing extended fasts and much more limited uh, intake of food, limited time and limited portions. And if you want to learn more about it, I recommend someone named Dr. Doc, excuse me, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and then also uh, Dr. Will Cole. He has a book called Intuitive Fasting. 
And then I think he has a podcast as well. Yeah, he does have a podcast as well. And Rhonda Patrick, I think she has her own podcast. And I know she's been on Joe Rogan and different things like that. So if you're interested in that, if you have digestive or any issues, because the thing about um, periods of fasting is that it creates a state called autophagy, which is a cell healing process that it could even, they, studies have shown that even after, like that as much as 72 hours of fasting, which I'm not doing that, but just for example, 72 hours of fasting can even start to heal and move out cancer cells. It's amazing. This, we have a conditioned uh, diet that we have to eat so many times a day, and it's probably not biologically as aligned because our bodies evolve very, very slowly. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. And I have ascended my body, or it's become less dense by, um, well, I, I'm, it's, it's weird to talk about the actual um, amount, but it's a significant amount, and I feel wonderful. I'm also moving my body a lot more. I've always been very active and athletic, but I had lost sight of how much more active and athletic is really appropriate for me. So I have put that back in the schedule as well. The next thing I wanted to tell you about is that I have my Work With Your Nature Elementals class it's a two-day workshop with the Lightshine Spiritual Academy, which is the academy founded by myself and Crystal Ann Compton. And this is a wonderful two-day immersion of lecture and attuning and journeying to learn how to work with your elemental guides. These are your David guides, such as your gnome, your gnomes, sylphs, undine salamanders, as well as the Fey Realm sprites, elves, as well as the ascended animals or ultra elementals these are these are terms that i've downloaded about them and that includes dragons and unicorns these are real entities in the etheric the spiritual realms who work with us and so that immersion class and um, attuning and meditative journeying is happening june 19th and 20th you can find the link in the description we also are launching a development circle, the Lightshine Development Circle, and that is starting in June as well. Check out the description and you'll find the link there. I won't bore you with all those details. It's going to be rad and cool. I'll talk more about it later. And that is, that's going to do it. I hope you enjoyed this longer format. They will be whatever I'm called to do. Um, but I do encourage you also, if you're ever on the video and the audio visual side of things, to follow me on Instagram at trishacarcharm.com because, no, excuse me, not that, Instagram at trishacarcharm. I'm doing reels. I'm doing content there. I'm hoping to do all kinds of formats that can benefit us in all the different ways. And of course, my YouTube channel, I will continue to feed as well with different content and um, I think, like I said, it's going to start churning out more and more as I'm moving into the bulk of this downloading in my personal year seven. With that, guys, I encourage you to get into the consciousness practice, get into a, some community. Oh, I invite you to the Mystic Arts Academy. We are meditating there. We are doing workshops. I have two workshops coming up right in a row. The Divine Mother, where I'm going to be channeling that frequency, that collective, and answering, allow, you know, the, the students will be asking questions directly from Divine Mother, and it's going to be rad. We're still working on the Crystalline Elements and Holy Flame series. 
if you want to get into a consciousness project, that's one for you. And as well as all of the Light Shine Spiritual Academy communities that we have to offer, the Light Shine Lab, all of those links are in the description. Thanks for hanging in there with me, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you felt the attunement. And maybe this is one to take notes on. And with that, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for shining your light on our beautiful planet. And thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Music